0: Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host Robbie Straczynski and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 23 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Martin Jacobson. The 2014 World Series of Poker main event champion, Martin's got over $17 million in live tournament earnings and several million in online tournament earnings. He's far and away, head and shoulders above the uh, Sweden's all-time leading tournament earner, the money list. And he has an incredible 22 different flags on his Hendon Mob profile. Plus, he's a pretty darn nice guy. So, Martin, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. It's nice to see you again. Thanks, Robbie. It's good to be here. Good, good to see you. So let's start with something that kind of was just announced very recently. You started off 2021 with two newsworthy items. One of them is an ending, and one of them is a beginning. So let's start with the ending. Um, I know, <laughs> I know that your partnership with 888 Poker is something that recently wrapped up. You were one of the team pros with the company for about three years. So. Tell us a little bit about your time with them, and maybe if you have some favorite memories with them, and also why you felt the timing was right to wrap things up. Um.
1: Well, it was. Yeah, so I've been with the eight 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 since two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. um, January two thousand eighteen. So yeah, exactly three years, and uh, it was my first and only uh, sponsorship uh, partnership. Uh, Which you know been amazing because it's always sort of been a goal of mine to to get sponsored, even though it didn't really happen until (laughs) nine years into my career. Right. Um, But it was it was a great time to like experience what it's like on the inside of one of these major uh, poker operators and be able to you know give them feedback and 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 come with suggestions and such uh maybe uh <laughs> maybe it was naive of me to think that i would have much more say than than <laughs> i actually <laughs> ended up having sure. uh so you know you can you can provide them with all the feedback as as you wish but then at the end of the day of course it's up to them and they you know it's a very like big uh uh hierarchy uh of people to go through to get like a decision like something simple just Right. agreed upon and then changed um so but but that was really interesting uh, to see you know how it worked uh, because like i think a lot of times uh before i would just think to myself like why why wouldn't you just change this like if this is such a no-brainer right and now I've, I've been getting a lot of answers that okay it's not actually as black and white it's uh, you know there are reasons behind these decisions and um yeah like i said the the uh the the doors you need to 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 open and go through like are are many uh to change even like the minor things so sure. uh so that was really cool but then, of course you know getting to know uh the other ambassadors and 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 the staff at 888 was great as well like we had a lot of fun uh traveling on the the 888 live tour uh all the great stops like um, uh, Barcelona and Bucharest, and of course, WSOP, they were the main sponsors. So yeah. every year we would do a lot of, uh, promos and, and, special competitions and stuff. Uh, so that was super fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's gone pretty fast. Like I can't believe it's been three years <laughs> since I signed and yeah, now we, uh, we both sort of decided to end things, um, for like multiple reasons uh one of course there's no like haven't been any live tournaments so right you know there's less incentive uh on their part to to keep me on the roster i guess and then they lost the wsop sponsorship so uh, i guess they they're focusing more on their um uh smaller live tournaments around europe and uh, for me um the reason i um sort of wanted to move on as well was because Uh, I'm more uh, interested right now into getting into like the coaching side of things and maybe exploring other uh, areas and interests of mine that doesn't necessarily involve uh, playing uh, tournament poker uh, full time. Sure. And um, yeah, I think it was just a um, a healthy sort of transition because, you know, once you close one door, even though like, I really didn't do that much, uh, you know, like they didn't request that much work for me. Uh, I just think that like, once you, uh, close the door, maybe you open yourself up to new opportunities and you sort of have more headspace and energy to do other things. So I think it's important to sometimes cut ties and, and move on and, you know, explore new, um, new
0: things. For sure. Well, that's why a book has many chapters. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it does dovetail, like I said, you know, we had one ending and one beginning and, you know, you've gotten this new pro- coaching project is with Farid Jatin. Uh, so or J- Jatin, do you, how does he pronounce Jatin it? Yaffi. Jatin, yeah. <laughs> nice uh, pronunciation. He's making sure. Farid Jatin. Um, so tell us, what, what is that all about? What is this coaching that you're doing?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, It sort of started with uh, Farid reaching out to me. um, I think at the end of last year, um, September, around that last year, and uh, we didn't really know each other that well, to be honest. Like we played a bunch, you know, on the tour, and we have a a couple mutual friends, and like we've always been friendly and like chatting here and there, but we were never like close friends. Uh, But he uh, uh, told me anyway about this new coaching project that he started and he was like telling me a little bit of like where he was in his career and life and like what he wanted to do you know moving forward uh he was telling me that he didn't really enjoy the, the online rhyme because he's more of a live player and uh it was funny because i've been thinking the exact same um uh, the exact same path, like the exact same things. Right. So it was, it was one of these weird things where I believe we had a conversation in, in Montreal, uh, a couple of years ago and we were just chatting him and I, um, at some party, I believe. And we were just talking about like, you know, our, our, our values and like how we were interested in like the business side of things. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we realized, I think that we had a lot in common, like in that, in that regard. Um, so, uh, he had me in mind anyway. So he reached out to me cool. and asked if well, first of all, he invited me to get on, um, uh, his current group course, cause one element, uh, they have a special guest, uh, so he asked me if I was interested. And right. of course I said, yes. And, uh, uh, we really like, I really enjoyed it. And I think he did as well. And we realized that we had a really good synergy between us and and really good energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, afterwards, so the class was for uh, lasted for two hours. And afterwards, I just felt like I had this amazing um, positive energy and like excitement. Uh, It was just so much fun to get on his uh, his course and do his class. Mm-hmm. and get to speak with with all these up-and-coming players and aspiring poker players who were super interested to hear what i had to, to say and like what i could teach them oh, that's, so awesome. that's just sort of how it started and then farid and i were uh speaking afterwards and we're like wow that went really great maybe we should do something together mm-hmm. and uh i would never really i've done some coaching like one-on-one but ah. i've never done anything like this right uh, like a group concept but i really like the idea of it, Um, you know, you gathering a group of 15 guys, everyone's there for the same purpose. Everyone loves poker Everyone wants to get better. Uh, And I'm able to share my experience and my knowledge that I gather over the years, right, and uh, they're able to absorb it. So it's just really fun and interesting dynamic.
0: How did you settle on the um, the 15? Like maybe, you know, five would have been enough or maybe, you know, if you had a hundred students at a time, you make, you know, so, you know, six times as much money from them. So how, how did you settle on that uh, that number?
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're playing around with the, trying to find sort of the sweet spot in terms of numbers. So we wanted to, we decided on 15 for like a couple of things. So one, we wanted to keep it, uh, as affordable as possible for the mm-hmm. students give them as much value for their money so we didn't want to have a hundred people because then you lose that like sort of personal mm-hmm. connection uh, but at the same time if we only have five then we would have to charge a lot more because you know we have to you know pay for all uh, all our expenses and like value our own time as well so Sure. I think 15 or 10 or 15 was like sort of the sweet spot where we felt like we'll give them great value and and we won't lose that personal connection and we'll be able to dedicate time to every, um, each and every student. Sure. So, yeah, that's sort of how we decided.
0: What is it that you find uh, so fulfilling about teaching a group of poker players?
1: Um I think when you've been playing poker for as long as I have mm-hmm. uh you sort of you sort of forget like what you know or like how much you've learned over the years. Wow. You kind of take that for granted because you're always I'm always at least comparing myself to you know the best players in the world. Rightfully like, okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when you compare yourself to, you know, the, the elite and the elite, you always, you never really give yourself any credit for like mm. how much you've improved and how much you've learned and just not just learned by studying the game, but like just playing, like it the experience is, is invaluable in my opinion. Right. And that's really, obviously, you know, it takes 10 years to, to get to the experience level that I have, mm. uh, so. If I can take the experience that I've gathered and everything I've learned from the experience, sort of compress that Mm -hmm. into like really useful information and then give that to someone who's only played like a year, maybe two years, three years, I think they can grow and become a much better poker player in like a really short and efficient time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's something that's really exciting for me. And also, uh, I find it really valuable because you get so much uh, sort of fulfillment. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think just teaching in general is, is something that's very fulfilling because it's all about sharing. Nice. Like you're sharing what you learn, and you see that somebody else is appreciated, it, appreciates it, and then be able to see them grow as a poker player and like hearing about results. You know, we've had a few students already, uh, posting in the group and saying, oh, look, I won this tournament. And like, I've been doing so much better ever since I started doing, uh, these tricks that you guys talked about in the last class. And it's just amazing to hear. And like, that's that to me, is so much more fulfilling than just playing poker on my, uh, by myself right now.
0: Awesome. Well, that's, that's a really cool thing to hear. And I wish you had tons of success with this course. Um, you know, in September in last year, just to sort of draw on a little bit of a parallel, you posted a picture on Facebook and on Instagram of yourself, and you had a whole squad of like coaches, advisors, friends, people that you worked with before the uh, final table, uh, the main event in 2014. And you wrote, this is your caption, I feel like we all won the main event that day. And just to sort of name drop here, uh, just a few of the faces that I recognized, you got Sam Greenwood, Jason Kuhn, Mohsin Tirania, uh, Mike Watson. So my question is before the main event final table, were you already used to, this was part of your regular study routine that you collaborated in a way and, and and bounced ideas and theories and strategies off your fellow pros? Or was this, okay, I made the final table. This is something I really got to try for the first time and, and you know, speak with the wizards. Um,
1: sort of, uh, I mean, sort of both. I've always relied a lot of my friends uh, in terms of growth. I think it's really important to have a, a good, uh, support group or like close that of friends that you can, um, talk strategy to and like sort of explore different, different, uh, strategies and also just like motivate each other and keep each other accountable for, to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always, I've always sort of done that, but like maybe uh, never really to the extent that I did to prepare for the final table, right? Because that, you know, like, what's going to motivate you more than, than that opportunity. So I really went 100% all in, sure. uh, all the best extent possible. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, the the strategy that I came up with that I was just going to speak to all my friends, like everyone, um, I had, um, I was close with or uh, whose game I respected and everyone's really happy to, to help. And, uh, because I think they could put themselves in my shoes, uh, obviously like none, none of them have ever been in that spot. Like it's really hard even for a professional to make the November nine. It's such right. a small, uh, such a long shot that it really doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. But everyone could sort of relate to the situation I was in. They could put themselves in my shoes. They, they knew how big this was. Right. We so all dream about good. it.
0: Even even people like me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> everyone we all dreams dream about, about it, yeah. being on that stage for sure. But no
1: one really prepares for it because right. it's so rare. Mm-hmm. So, like, I never prepare for it. So, I was it's like, okay, like, what should I do? So, I just started brainstorming uh, first on my own. But then I created a Skype group with. 30 of these uh, friends of mine wow. and we all sort of like bounce ideas and we're brainstorming together. And that's sort of how we came up with, um, you know, the idea to play simulations of the final table. I started writing uh, player profiles on every player, every opponent, uh, their tendencies, researching all the hands I could find on them. Um, apart from, you know, preparing myself mentally and like meditating and, right. you know, doing, Yoga and keeping myself in great like physical and mental form.
0: All right, so confirmed you did not lockbox your way to the win. That's for sure. <laughs> a lot of preparation involved. Um, well, in poker, you got to switch gears. So we're going to switch gears a little bit with the uh, line of questioning. Here's a, a series of individuals. You've got Wolfgang Puck, Guy Fieri, Gordon Ramsay, and Martin Jacobson. Right, so because because back in the day you wanted to become a chef and you even went to culinary school. Why? What was it about being a chef that intrigued you?
1: Um, I don't know if it was as much uh, being a chef that intrigued me. Uh, it was things more uh, a matter of, of being fed up of studying. Uh, you know the academic classes. Oh. So I wanted to do something different. Uh, so this that's sort of when this opportunity, um, presented itself that I could, Mm. I could apply for a a culinary school Mm -hmm. where you would read, you know, some academic classes. So if you wanted to continue your studies after school, you didn't want to be a chef or, or work in the restaurant industry, you could do, you could continue. Mm -hmm. Um, so you had sort of a base, but, um, what I was longing for was to do something practical, uh-huh. and that's um, that fitted me really well at the time. You know, well, everyone needs to eat. Right. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> everyone needs to eat, right?
1: Yeah, that too. Exactly. That's what I figured. Like, or that's what my mom figured. Like, she was a big inspiration to my decision because oh. you know I was 15 years old at the time. Like, who knows what they want to do when they're 15? Like, sure. not me. Like. Probably not anyone really. So it's just sort of a gamble at that stage. And yeah, it worked out really well. I got really passionate about cooking and uh, my grades improved by, by a lot, like even in the other, um, classes, um, yeah. And then uh, I just became set on becoming a top chef. So Mm -hmm. I just started working first and then, you know, all my interests were like surrounded by cooking. I was reading uh, gourmet magazines. I was mm-hmm. watching, you know, things on TV and, and right. stuff like that. And just cooking a lot at home, and like doing different like tasting menus and stuff. Uh, so I was really, really into, into cooking.
0: Right, and you were even a cook in the Swedish Royal Navy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that same same thing there, so uh, the way it works in sweden it's uh like military service is mandatory mm-hmm. Sure, uh, but they come to you and uh, i think you're only like 12 years old and they show you <laughs> yeah wow and <laughs> uh, they show you uh, maybe you're a little bit older maybe you're 14 or 15. still that's very <laughs> <Anyway. early>. okay <laughs> yeah you're still in uh you're still in um uh, elementary school sure uh but they show you these videos of like uh you know like join the army kind of things like shooting guns and like traveling the world and like all the cool stuff like parachuting out of airplanes and then they ask you like okay who who's in right right <laughs> so everyone raises their hands or like i at least i did I know, <laughs> so <they had> me. <laughs> and uh it's like yeah sure like you don't really think about like what it actually means to you know commit to a a year of of military service. It also feels so far away that I I signed up. And then um, four or five years later, um, I've graduated uh, culinary school. I started working as a chef. uh, And I get the letter in the the mail saying, okay, now it's time to do military service. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, crap. Like, (laughs) I guess there's... (laughs) I guess there's nowhere out of no way out of it now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh I mean I probably could have gotten out of it but like I would have to make up some serious excuse and like sure. that's just like not my, my personality. Like if I say I'm going to do something I'll go ahead with it. Mm-hmm. But I remember I really didn't feel like it at the time. Uh but I'd sign up or get I can't remember if you get placed or if you uh apply for for different departments but mm-hmm. I was meant to go to Kalisz Krona. Was it's like the the navy base and five five hours south of Stockholm, and I was gonna be a chef on one of the new uh, corvettes, like um, battleships.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: (laughs) So I mean that was quite exciting, at least. Uh, But then I had to do the three months of like um, basic training. Basic training, yeah, Sure. sure so that was you know the the worst part about it but then once we i moved to the the battleship like that was a lot of fun because it was basically it was just me and another guy and we were responsible to cook for everyone we didn't really have a um we didn't really have a lieutenant like that, like a um a a captain or something like you're watching over us and wow insane like we had <laughs> i think i think it was we had like 15 dollars per person per day wow which might not sound like much but oh, that's uh, a lot really, that's a lot of money yeah when you're cooking for uh so we cooked for like 70 people okay uh, every day right but i mean we we literally had unlimited amount of, of money like to buy whatever we want so we were i was just uh continuing you know like experimenting and, and setting up like sort of tasting menus on the weekends. So That's order, really cool. Oh you know, duck and and like uh um yeah reindeer like yeah, a bunch of like
0: exactly <laughs> exotic <laughs> really cool stuff like making risottos and yeah. Jeez. Well, they say yeah. that, uh, you know, an army marches on its stomach. It certainly seems like uh, at least your soldiers ate pretty well. <laughs> well,
1: the Navy is a different story.
0: I mean, oh, the okay. army,
1: army and Navy are very different. Yeah, in the Army, they ate like crap. Oh. But, <laughs>
0: really,
1: like, super, yeah. but in the Navy, like, they uh, they spend a little bit more money on the the, uh, the requirements are much different too. Right. Like everyone's very comfortable in the Navy. <laughs>
0: I understand. <laughs> that I understand. So when you were a soldier, were you already playing poker recreationally? Is this something you were sort of doing, you know, when you had a break playing online a little bit or did that come afterwards?
1: Yeah, so I started playing online recreationally in uh, high school, so like during culinary school. Mm. And then I continued, I played a little bit more once I graduated and I was working. So I would sort of play during the nighttime to to cool down from from the like the stress of, of, of cooking. Uh and it like worked out great because I would play on a US time zone. Uh so uh, I would finish work around midnight, maybe one AM, and then right. get home and then play a few hours of a line, and then sleep all day, wake up, go to the gym, and then start working again at like three or four in the uh, afternoon. Good yeah, so I, and the, <laughs> the army was is kind of similar uh well there I, I wasn't able to play the the late schedule because you had to wake up at five in the morning but uh-huh. um i would play whenever i had the opportunity
0: uh-huh.
1: uh so i would this was you know 12 uh 13 years ago or so so uh back then uh, i didn't have a laptop um, so the only way for me to play was to go. I found this internet cafe. So I would go there. <laughs> it sounds so old school, but <laughs> it really, uh, yeah, it really wasn't a big deal back then. Right. Uh, so yeah, if you wanted internet, you had to go to the internet cafe. Oh and my God. I would go there and I would play uh sit and go tournaments. That was kind of my, my thing. Um, so I would play sitting goes and, you know, sometimes when you play in tournaments, I, I would stay away from multi-table tournaments because they were so unpredictable on like when they were going to end right. like sitting goes, I kind of knew that like, okay, like the, they last about an hour or maybe two hours at most. Right. You and don't want the cafe closing on you or anything. Right? <laughs> yeah. But actually that happened a few times oh where, my God. where the guys like pointing at the watch is like, Hey man, I, I need to leave. Like you, you get, gotta get out of here. And I would be like three handed in, in the signal <laughs> still. And I, I would have to bribe him to like stay open.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: Yeah. get the piece of your action, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then by the summer, I made a little bit of money playing poker, actually enough so I could buy myself a laptop. Okay. That made things a lot more easy, uh, a lot easier. The only problem was that there was no Wi Fi on the, I mean, no Wi Fi, of course, but no. Uh, I couldn't even get uh, 3G. uh didn't wow. have 4G back then, but 3G on the boat because it was a battle as it was a stealth battleship. Right. So there was no reception on the boat except for up um, uh, on the um, on deck, like where the <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what what's called in English, but like where you you like steer the boat, basically. Sure. Sure. That's great. Yes, so you're would, sitting
0: there in the middle of the night playing online I would online sneak up poker. there and with my laptop and play online poker. <laughs> that's amazing. That's an, <laughs> that's an incredible story. Wow. Okay. So you're okay. So you're playing recreationally. You're playing as a hobby, and then you somehow you you do you win a seat into the 2008 WSOP main event. Now that's a big deal for anyone. You know, especially you know recreational players. That's that's the dream but you weren't necessarily sure if you're going to play or not. So let's, let's hear that story from you.
1: Yeah. So that was uh, in 2008. So I Mm -hmm. finished military service and I was working at a restaurant in Stockholm, still living at home. Uh, And um, yeah, I I continued playing, you know, the, the late schedule after I finished working and then in the summer, I yeah, managed to win uh, a seat to the WSOP main event. And I was only 20 years old at the time. And this was back where you had the option to either take the money, $12,000, I believe. Right. Or go and play. Uh, so it was, a, of course, it was a bit of a dilemma. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Of course, I wanted to go and play. But at the same time, I was being realistic and. Perhaps that wasn't the sensible thing to do. I mean, probably not, <laughs> given that I had no experience playing live tournaments or like multi-table None? tournaments. You've never played? played? No. Oh. Apart wow. from like a, a few like home games and stuff like that, like so I played on some poker clubs. Sure. Um. Wow. Yeah.
0: Right on the big stage. My goodness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see the
1: dilemma. $12,000, just to put it in perspective, um, you know, we're working as a chef. You really don't make a lot of money, especially when you're young and up up and coming. Like I was basically working for minimum wage. Sure. So $12,000 was was almost like a year's salary. It's a lot of crone.
0: It's a lot of crone. A lot of of (laughs) crone. Right. Um, okay. So, so that way, but then you go ahead. So you play, unfortunately it didn't work out too well. I don't no. mean, I don't mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick doors. horse. Um, I will, I will say this. So you made the decision, you decided to go and play three hands later, the dream is dead. Uh, it's, it's not great, but, and this is, this is the reason I'm telling you, I we don't focus on the negative here. A month later, Right in August 2008, you finished second in the Poker Star Sunday Million for 89k. A couple months after that, you turned the $800 satellite into a third place finish at EPT Budapest. Uh, You know, you made a deal 280,000 euro. That's your first live score. So, the reason again, I brought up the WSOP within a few months here, okay, you, you started as a recreational player you're playing on the big stage it didn't go well and then all of a sudden a couple months later you have two massive scores what does it feel like at the end of those 3 months after you've experienced you know the highs the lows of the roller coaster
1: yeah it all went so fast i actually uh <laughs> you know from winning the the main the the main event seat i won it super late i won it in may so it was really not a lot of time to right. even decide what i was going to do and uh, yeah, busting third in, in the, in the WSP main event, getting second in the Sunday Million just uh, a month later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then qualifying for EPT Budapest and, and managing to get third place. Yeah. So it was, yeah, a big roller coaster, but like a, a very fun one <laughs> because poker was so new to me. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, I was so passionate about it and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was sort of like a, a, a dream come true. Uh, even though I, I don't know if I viewed it like that. I never actually made the decision to go pro. It was just sort of something that happened. Interesting. Um, so in between two jobs, I quit my job in in Stockholm to go right. uh, to move to Barcelona and work at a Michelin star restaurant there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had everything set up. So. Um, well, I haven't spoken to the person there, but the, the a girl that I was working with in Stockholm uh, said that she would set it up for me. Her friend was there and they needed uh, more chefs and, and I could rent a room there. And like everything was was pretty much a done deal. Sure. So I quit my job and then she quit as well. And then for whatever reason, I couldn't get a hold of her. Like oh. She just went MIA. I still haven't spoken to her today. It's... <laughs> It's the, one of the weirdest things wow. that ever happened to me. Wow! But uh, I wasn't like panicking or anything because I knew I could always get another chef job. Like that was right. It's one of those things that's it's, it's. There's always a shortage of of, of good chefs, so mm-hmm. I could always get a job if I needed to. I was living at home, so I didn't really have much ex- many expenses, and. I was enjoying playing poker, so
0: <laughs> right.
1: that's sort of what I did. I just continued to up my volume and, and play more and study more. And uh, that's sort of when uh, I started having success. I got second in the Sunday Million right, and then I managed to qualify for, for Budapest. And then, you know, huh. I just sort of carried on from there. I never right. really
0: looked back. That's amazing. You say you say you never really made an active decision to go pro. But to me at least, you know, I imagine many of our listeners, you know, here in the cards chat community, one of the main differences between being a recreational player and a poker and a professional player, sure, you know, as a recreational, you still want to win, you take it seriously, maybe you do a little bit of studying, but as a pro, you're studying all the time. So At what point did that sort of change where you say, okay, well, I want to take this more seriously. And besides playing more, you also started really getting in the lab. I didn't really get into the lab uh, Hmm. until way, way
1: later, to be honest. Back then, I I don't think it was way, very different poker back then. Like I think it's important to point out, no one really knew how to play, like myself included, everyone Hmm. was sort of like trying to figure it out Hmm. because there really wasn't many resources available right now today we're spoiled like there's software that tells us the answers we just plug in some numbers like there's charts for everything like that wasn't the case back then it was really hard to get any sort of solid information like this was in 2006 2008 2008 when i sort of went pro um so i was sort of learning as i went and just learning from experience. I was reading a few poker books. That was mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of like how I studied. Sure. And then the rest was just talking strategy to friends. Hmm. So I quite early, I, I when I start traveling, you sort of meet uh, more fellow pros or that are in the same position as, as me. I have like similar experience experience. Maybe some of them had a little bit more. Um. So I learned a lot from them just talking strategy to them, but also playing and like seeing what everyone else was doing and like thinking about it and then just, you know, kind of copying, you know, what I thought was good and then trying to differentiate what I thought was bad and then sort of develop my own playing style just from
0: that. You know, there's something very romantic about that. You know, I don't mean to to belittle it at all. I I actually love that kind of story a lot more because it's very organic, it's very natural. I mean, like you said, you know, now we're living in a time where, OK, if you want to go ahead and make a decision to go pro, you kind of have, are obligated, you know, to utilize all these resources and the poker training sites that you may, you know, that sort of a thing. Back then, you you know, the, the idea of figuring it out and making your way up and learning more, you really had to be a self-starter. And I, I think that just makes for a richer story. That That's really cool. Um, I like it a lot. Um, Well, Martin, we, we talked about in the introduction, you know, 22 flags on the Hendon mob. Um, I remember I I last saw you was almost a year ago at the 888 Poker Live in Madrid. Um, I know you love getting around. You mentioned, you know, part of working with 888 while you were a sponsored player there, you got to go to a lot of places. And of course, you know, you just, you enjoy traveling. Um, I imagine you must be missing the tournament circuit a little bit more than your average uh, (laughs) poker player.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's something I realized this past year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with there not being any live, I haven't played live poker since, yeah, since Madrid, that was my last tournament actually. Right. Wow, I can't believe it's uh, it's a year ago. Right? Me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really miss live poker. I realized uh, I've sort of always kept the balance about like 50-50 between live and online. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've always enjoyed. Like I wouldn't want to pick one or the other. Uh, I think it's so nice after you've been playing live for like let's say a full summer in Vegas and just be able to go home and play W or something like that and right. just be in the comfort of your own home. Everything is much smoother and faster. But at the same time, like after you played online for a while, you sort of miss the like social aspect of the game and the 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 physical uh, <laughs> interaction. Like where you're actually Able to look your opponent in the eye and like mm-hmm. try to try to like, get a read or, or like talk to them or just like we're just like seeing friends, you know, and, and yeah. talking strategy on dinner breaks. Like I miss that and and traveling, of course, and getting new impressions and and seeing new places and just like because I grow every time I travel in poker. I realize like because you're always meeting someone or you're always uh, having some meaningful conversations and you, that just doesn't occur the same, um, uh, at the same, at the same like online. Yeah. yeah. Like sure, you can chat on Skype or, or whatever, but it's it's just not the same.
0: Sure, no, I understand that. I mean, so I guess you have been, you did pivot to online. You have been playing online this year. Yes. What is it that you enjoy about online poker besides obviously the comfort of, of doing so from home?
1: uh well you first of all you can play more table so it's a lot mm. in terms of, of um you know getting a, a a dopamine kick like it's a lot more exciting because right. you, know, you always have a decision and uh it's a lot more fast paced, and like you're you're really put to the test uh, in a different way than. Than live. Live, unless you have a shot clock, you can take all the time in the world until right. someone calls the clock on you. Right. Online, you have a few seconds now, like they've shortened the, the time banks and everything, mm-hmm. everything's much faster. Yeah. So like it even like I noticed like a significant difference. Like if I haven't played online for a while and I'm start firing up uh you know seven or eight tables, uh, I I'm struggling sometimes mm-hmm. uh, if I get a decision in multiple spots. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, when I was I could have played 10 or 12 or like maybe even 15 tables at once. We're getting older uh, without telling anything. you. Like <laughs> I think it's a mix. Yeah. Maybe it's a mix of, <laughs> I'm just of getting older. <laughs> but it's also that like the game is, the game is so much more advanced now that hmm. you really have to think about every decision you make. You can't hmm. just get away without a piloting, like unless you're playing like very, very low stakes. Right. Um, so you really have to think about each spot a lot more. And that's also what makes it more fun. Nice. So yeah, it can be draining playing like a lot of tables if you're playing more
0: than eight tables uh, in one session. For sure. Um, I know that right now, you know, we're, you know, end of January, by the time this airs, you know, beginning of February, 2021, some places in the United States like Las Vegas, Florida, uh, you know, even Southern California, like they've opened up with masks and plexiglass and you know sometimes outdoors under a tent or something like that whereas Europe and, and the UK by contrast there's a, a much more of a hard line approach and, and barely any poker going on at all to the best of my knowledge. Um, at what point would you know as, as much as you miss it obviously at what point would you personally feel ready to sort of jump back into the mix of things and play live poker again?
1: God it's so so hard to answer that to be honest like I know right now, for example, I don't feel any urge uh, or rush, rather, okay. <laughs> I feel an urge to play live poker. But it, you know, you have to be realistic too. Mm-hmm. Like there are restrictions in place for for a reason. Like mm-hmm. here in the UK, for example, like you can't even you're not even allowed to go to your friend's house or, or mm-hmm. everything is shut down. Like right. restaurants, bars, um, barber shops, like everything. Uh, so if those places then you probably shouldn't play live poker right now <laughs> sure i understand that huh, interesting so uh, i don't know i i'm and i' playing with masks and like in a in a black like a plastic plexi box or whatever mm-hmm. like uh, then i might might as well play online because you cannot you lose that the social aspect and the interaction and the tells and stuff like right. it, it seems kind of pointless to me to be honest too because then you just there's a lot of hassle of playing live poker like you, you know you you got a queue to to register and then first well first of all you got to travel to the uh to the casino and then uh-huh. you get a queue to get in or a queue to register and get a player's card and then sure. you you know you must sometimes have to wait to get a seat and, and then you get a seat and you're seated again like next to you know uh, eight random people and you're stuck there for the rest the uh, rest of the day yep, that's uh, yeah that's tournament poker
0: yeah for sure. yeah
1: it's just and then you know the bathroom breaks and uh, like all that sort of stuff like i don't really see the point of it uh, as long as you're there's these uh,
0: restrictions in place so i'm just gonna wait it out I hear that. Well, that's, uh, I'm certain a lot of people feel that way. Uh, and I know I've played in a home game here and there, but I haven't stepped foot in a, in a poker room just yet. We just don't have anywhere I am, but, uh, but, you know, again, <laughs> it is going on in some places and everyone's got their own timetable, both as individuals, as well as, you know, vaccines, that sort of thing. So just uh, curious to hear your your view on that, exactly how hungry you are for it. Um, so we've talked a lot of poker We talked a little bit about food and being a chef. We'd be remiss if we didn't also speak about health and fitness. Just before we got on the call, I noticed that you're at a standing desk and I know that health and fitness is very important to you. Um, It could certainly be said that you're you're kind of a a prototype of the new generation of of healthy poker players. You work just as hard on your body and on your mind as you do your poker game. in your opinion, how important is that to being successful at poker? I mean, for instance, is it possible that someone could just just study poker hard but just eat burgers and fries all day and never exercise or do the, the two kind of have to go together?
1: I think it's definitely possible to, to uh, just be really good um, fundamentally good at poker and not have that aspect. But I think everything you do improves your chance. Like everything you do that's positive uh, improves your chances of winning. So if let's say, you know, my chances of winning improves by 1% by being in good physical form or in another couple percentage being in good mental state, like by meditating or something. And if that can prevent me from, Playing poorly, like the last level of a day, or mm. not misplaying a hand, or or you know staying a bit more focused and picking up a read, or, or whatever it is, like that, all that stuff matters. Like in the long run, in the short run, of course, anyone can win a tournament, like eating cheeseburgers, like right. <laughs> like we see you uh, know all over. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything you do um that's like so obvious that it's it's it is beneficial at least in the long run uh plays a difference and that will over time uh, increase your your win
0: rate so like on the last level you know everyone calls the beer level so you don't even have a little swig of beer (laughs) uh it's been it's been a couple of years since i did that but
1: it depends (laughs) it depends on the tournament and the company you know Sometimes you're at a like really fun table and like everyone's having a beer. Like, of course, I'm gonna have a beer with okay. <laughs> the guys. But not if it's all of the super high roller or the final table bubble of the. I was having, you know, sure. <laughs> it, it, it all depends on the occasion.
0: I understand. Well, I, I want to ask you a couple about a couple of uh, specific elements. Uh, again, you're you're super healthy. I'm really not exaggerating here. Um, and some of it sounds really cool. I know in in the biography on your website, along with the physical activities you talk about mixed martial arts and food and nutrition, you also mentioned something called biohacking. What is biohacking?
1: Um, so biohacking, it's kind of like an old school ter- old school uh, term now, but <laughs> it basically means that you're hacking like your biological self. Hmm. So are you doing? Uh, These hacks uh, to improve performance, uh, whether it be mental or or physical. So, that could be, um, you know, for example, like I put uh, butter and MCT oil in my coffee because that slows down. Yeah, it sounds really weird and probably sounds really There's been a lot of of research on it, and Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for as long as I can remember, like eight, eight years or so. And what it does is the fat molecules mm-hmm. first of all, like grass-fed butter and, and those type of healthy fats, they're actually good for you. Right. Uh, so there's different types of fats. Okay. But what the fat molecules does, they break down the uh, caffeine, they slow down the, the metabolism of the caffeine in coffee. Hey. Wow. And it gives you six hours of, of solid energy rather than one hour energy. And, uh, a big crash after right
0: that. huh yeah.
1: interesting okay well i did that's, not know that's that. just the one example but there's right. there's plenty okay you know, well it can be like napping during the day you know to improve energy or just meditating or taking a certain supplement and like those little things okay
0: i'll give that to you and that is fascinating i did not know that it's a great example when i did a little googling i looked for a couple examples of biohacking and there's some pretty crazy things, Martin, that some biohackers do. They replace their own <laughs> blood with the blood of younger people, or they implant computer chips into their bodies. So uh, what part uh, Android are you?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm more of a, like an old school biohacker. I mean, that sounds pretty extreme to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but besides butter in your coffee, is there anything kind of extreme that's unusual to regular coffee drinkers or whatever that that you have done
1: um no I mean I've tried I tried like um I'm a big believer in recovery like recovery from stress Mm um so i always try to think like how can i recover from my poker sessions or my training sessions Mm -hmm. because you need to recover to be able to perform the next day right so if you're playing like a tournament like the main event and it's an eight day long tournament Mm -hmm. what can i do you know after i finish playing every day to feel better when i wake up in the morning right because you're putting yourself, it's just like running a marathon or like a ultra marathon or something. Like right, like a
0: professional yourself. athlete. All the big uh, NBA players do yeah, that as well. Even right?
1: though, of course, it's not you know physical in that sense, but it's it's mentally draining and sure. it's it's very taxing on the body. Mm-hmm. So uh, I always try to think like what what I can do to recover faster to shorten my recovery window, so I, I can feel better uh, short. Um, the next day mm-hmm. so i do stuff like you know it, it's nothing groundbreaking like i'll take a massage or i'll you know i'll foam roll in the in in the evening or yeah you know meditating and, and do all these things to okay uh slow, yeah slow down the uh or calm down the, the nervous system and that helps you recover faster nice and i do stuff like floating for example like uh, self-deprivation tank where you lie in—I <laughs> don't know if you've heard about it, but oh. uh, it's pretty cool. So it's uh, like a big bathtub, basically, okay. and it has a lid on it. You close the lid, and then it's about this much water in the tank, but it's also a thousand k uh, kilograms of Epsom salt. So what does that? What that does is, as the name sort of hints at, you're floating in there, okay, and the idea, the science behind it is that there's no gravity. Right. Like, your body is just floating. Like, you're not even feeling the gravity of your body. Huh. And what that does, it uh, speeds up recovery and, and generates cells and, and increases uh, blood circulation. And, of course, the Epsom salt is really good for the body and the skin and the hair and right. the nails. Uh, and it's just like the ultimate way to... Uh, to get into the deep relaxation. And that will help you recover a lot faster than if you were sleeping. They say that
0: an hour in there is the equivalent to four hours of deep sleep, wow. for example. Well, that does sound pretty cool. I mean, I, I would like, I'd certainly try it for an hour. How often does one uh, float? I try to do it once a week. Oh, okay. Uh, but I
1: mean, the, the more often, the better. Uh, really? It's just sort of works for me uh, once a week. I have a center like pretty close to me.
0: Right, huh, very cool. All right, so I got a couple more questions and then we'll get into the community questions from the uh, Cards Chat Forum members. Um, so Martin, we've spoken a few times over these last few years, but I've actually only done a full interview with you one time before. And that was a few months after you won the main event. And at the time, I hadn't yet conducted too many interviews, and I have to admit, I can do this now, years later. I was a little nervous at the time, so I was so nervous <laughs> that I forgot to ask you one very important question then. So now we get to you know, close the circle and make up <laughs> for it. I know it sounds crazy, Six but it's the later. truth. It's the truth. So at the final table, uh, you, rather than being patched up by an online poker site, you had a big Patch said, powered by Siltep. And, you know, I know that came from your partnership with Natural Stacks. It's a supplement company. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the company. What is Siltep and how do these supplements work? And I guess, you know, for lack of a better expression, is this something that you feel poker players should look into for like a a brain boost of sorts?
1: Yeah, uh, so the partnership with natural stacks uh sort of came about as, like what we were speaking about a minute ago um, in terms of uh, biohacking mm-hmm. i've always been interested it, it, ever since i was little or little when i was 15 I, and started working on the stuff i've always been interested in supplementation like what can i do to increase my performance like i've mm-hmm. always been very like optimized like performance base uh, nerd sort of right um so playing poker of course i was always looking for an edge where i would get have more focus more energy uh, more mental clarity and um i think it was in yeah around that time like in 2013 uh, 2014 when I, I first heard about nootropics mm-hmm. and uh Nootropics is basically it's a supplement that increases your mental performance, your mental clarity, your focus, your memory. Um, and I found this company, uh, Natural Sex. Uh, this was the beginning of, of uh, WSOP in 2014. Right. So I ordered a few of their supplements and, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try them during the summer and see how it goes. <laughs> And then uh, I make you know the November nine. Right. <laughs> I have a pretty good summer overall. Like even yep. before that, I think I made a final table or so. And then uh, as soon as I made November nine, I knew that I wanted to take the opportunity to maybe get a sponsor because it's been something that's been sort of a goal and a dream of mine to work with one of these companies, not just. Right like for financial benefits. Like I knew I was going to make a lot of money already, like with the making the final table. It's more like I wanted to, yeah, utilize that opportunity to represent the brand and and work with someone like a partnership. Like that was really exciting to me to Mm -hmm. see what it's like, uh, you know, in the business world. The problem with being a professional poker player is that a lot of companies don't want to associate themselves with poker because it's it's gambling related and right. um, they have a lot of they have a strong uh, restrictions and, and, and core values in place sure. that doesn't allow them to. So I reached out to the Natural Stacks because I, 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 in my opinion, that was the perfect fit. Because I've been using their supplements. I knew they worked and and I really liked them. I thought they were an awesome company, like uh, based out of Seattle, like very Mm -hmm. like forward thinking and like all about optimizing performance and health. So it was a perfect match for me. So I reached out to them and asked if they were interested and they came back to me straight away and said, of course, like that's super exciting. Let's do it. Cool. And they were actually the ones that insisted on sending out a film team. Yeah, filming the ten for ten documentary.
0: So that yep. was all. Uh, that was all on their initiative. That's really cool. Well, that's, that's actually my final question for you. Is you know, that uh, for those who don't know, it's a, a documentary of how Martin went about preparing for his final table performance. Uh, it's pretty great. On your website, you've got the the clips there, the YouTube videos. It's good stuff. Um, I'm curious. I mean, obviously now you've done boatloads of interviews. You've been on camera a thousand times, all that sort of thing. At the time, though, you know, even though you had experienced poker success, the idea, uh, I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing for a, a documentary film team to follow and, and, and document what you've been doing. How, did, how What was that like, you know, to, to have your life so recorded like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite new back then. Um, honestly, I, I didn't really... I, I didn't really mind it, to be honest, because I was just so consumed with with the final table and like oh. everything else going around. That and and these guys, they they really did they, they did a fantastic job of sort of staying in the background, letting me do my thing. Like they weren't, they didn't require me to do a bunch of things or sit here and answer these questions or or say that. It was it was very raw and like behind the scenes kind of like documentary so they just wanted me to go about my day as normal and then they were going to be around and like film me from behind but like that didn't really affect me in, in any way like it was it was kind of cool and then of course like I'm super grateful today that that I got that opportunity and I can rewatch it and like it's i can, I'm always gonna have that like I can show my kids one day like yeah. what it was about like that's super cool and like it's such a Special memory and like to have that documented in in such a professional and like great looking way, really cool.
0: Yeah, well, I definitely, if you haven't seen it, folks, I I certainly recommend checking it out. Again, you could find the video on Martin's website. What's the uh, URL of your website? Uh, It's martinjacobson.pro. Okay, there you go, so definitely uh, be sure to check that out. Um, Well, everyone, this is the uh, portion of the show where we turn to you, our Cards Chat community who's watching, who's listening, and we wanna see what types of questions you want to ask our guests. Uh, Of course, we have a dedicated thread for it on the Cards Chat forums where we let you know who the upcoming guests are gonna be, and we allow you the opportunity to submit your questions. And thanks to all who've done so, um, our first questions come from shells who's been a, a real great contributor thank you shells uh martin what do you like to do in your free time <laughs> um and do you have any <laughs> I, uh, yeah i do i like to uh, uh work out <laughs> okay. so I are you like in to... your you look seem to be in your gym right now is that uh is that yeah what's I, i've sort of built a, a home gym i did it before the
1: pandemic so but uh-huh. it's really coming handy now um you know where all the gyms are closed mm, for sure but uh yeah uh, i try to work out once a day uh, so i'm always doing some sort of something uh whether it's uh running or yoga or just you know swinging a kettlebell or, or like lifting weights or mm-hmm. I try to mix it up i like the the variety of it like i don't really follow a strict routine or i don't have a schedule or anything like that i try to uh, feel how I feel on the day, and then sort of like plan my workouts accordingly. And nice. you know, so sometimes I miss a day or two, and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I um, I like to travel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to
0: um, cook. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, good stuff. Yeah. those are some yeah, good that's, productive that's habits. Good. I like it. Um, and uh, one more from shells is. What is the one poker tournament or event live and online? So, one of each that you just can't miss?
1: Oh, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, for for live, it's of course the WSFP main event. Uh, yeah. Well, but winning least,
0: it once isn't enough, of course. Right?
1: Of course. At least, yeah. That's, uh, you know, by far the, the most exciting event of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, online, uh, it's a little bit tougher. It sort of depends on on the year like sometimes they will have like a unique event like this year for example you know we obviously we had the SOP main events gt poker
0: yeah all of them and, all the main events right <laughs>
1: yeah and like one on w one on wsop.com as well
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. um so that was a bit confusing but of course like that was you know one that you didn't want to miss right uh, especially the first one, which you assume were the official one.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get get your, yourself on another banner, or not uh, in yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the Rio. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So uh, our next questions come from uh, Jose Albert TV. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, thank you, Jose. Um, Martin, are you still a member in the Reg organization, donating a percentage of your earnings? charity.
1: I am, yes. Um I haven't uh, <laughs> I haven't donated any money in uh, in a while because uh, yeah, I haven't won anything in uh, uh in quite some time, but uh yeah, I'm definitely still a member and still uh an ambassador or a representative and always trying to spread the word and they're doing great things. and um, you know, I'm not so involved with the uh, um with uh, with the organization mm-hmm. or like how it's structured and stuff but right. yeah still good friends and 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 uh, still uh, you know like to represent them in 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 the best way possible because i think they're they're doing great things
0: yep definitely good charity uh, optimizing all of the dollars and euros and, and pounds that they receive for the uh, best possible bank for your buck um, and one more from Jose, um, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit. He says, how do you prepare physically and mentally before playing in a live event? I'll just sort of tweak it. You know, we've heard about, you know, the regimen and taking care of yourself, but I guess, you know, the day before or the day of beginning a live event, is there something specific that you do?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I meditate every day, mm. uh, just for a 10, 10, 15 minutes, um, that sort of like clears my head and and it really makes a big difference especially later on in the day. Uh, I feel a lot more clarity throughout. Another thing I like to do is uh, you know, work out, but on the days I play, I have a rule that I don't I don't go all, I never go all in, I never push myself too much because poker to me is so so mentally and, and physically draining as mm-hmm. it is. And if you're combining that with a hard workout, intense workout, then I think it could be detrimental uh, on the day. So I try to schedule all my hard workouts for like a day or two before or after a tournament, but I never do it on the day. So sort of what I like to do is just like a, a 20, 30, 40 minutes, like max of like, low pace like cardio and that sort of like gets my blood flowing and gives me more energy and I feel right. more energized after. Nice. So for me it's all about preparing myself to feel the best mentally and the most energized for.
0: Excellent. Oh, very cool. Uh, next question is from our uh, forum member Cristal C R S T A L S. Thank you very much for submitting these, uh, Martin. What was the toughest part about life after you won the WSOP main event? Hmm. Um, probably,
1: probably like knowing what's next, like what to do, hmm. how to hmm. continue and life like do i continue playing like what am i playing for uh like what's my my deeper purpose Hmm. do i maybe want to do something else what would that be like those type of, of questions like starts popping up in your your head i think i was or i am so consumed with the game that maybe i haven't really stopped stopped up for a second and and ask myself these questions uh until this year or this previous year, 2020, where I was sort of forced to because right. live poker was taking away from me. And the live poker was such a big part of my life that I was so used to just going from stop to stop like it was pretty much always the same thing. You know, you, you had the, the European tour and, and the WSOP and like you sort of knew where you would be for an entire year. Right. And I think when you do that and, and you're so comfortable with that lifestyle because it is a lot of fun. You get to see all these places and and spend time with your friends. It's it becomes kind of daunting to give that lifestyle up and throw yourself at something else that you For might sure. not have any or you don't have any experience with or you don't have any education or knowledge. Like I've I've never really thought about going back to cooking, okay, or like even open my own restaurant or anything like that. Uh, so I think what I would want to do is something completely different, but it is quite daunting to sacrifice this lifestyle and like the comfort uh, it provides and like all the fun parts to do something else. But eventually you're going to have to to take that step because I don't think I'm going to play poker professionally forever. And Hmm. it also sort of loses um, its appeal after a while. I -hmm. think that's the same with everything. Like you, you become a little bit less hungry over time, mm-hmm. especially when you won the, the biggest tournament there sure. is. Right. You know, that's always the, the question that people ask me, like, how do you stay motivated after winning the biggest tournament there is to win? And uh, I usually just sort of re- respond with that, like, oh, I'm not playing, you know, I'm not playing for the money or the fame. I'm just playing for the, the love of the game. Sure. And while that's true, it gets to a point where like you, you might be looking for something else, something a bit more fulfilling than mm. playing full time. And right. I think that's what I found with coaching.
0: Brilliant. I love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it totally makes sense. Um, I, it's a great answer. It's a wonderful answer. Um, well, here's one on the opposite end uh, of the poker playing spectrum. Also from Cristal's Martin, what advice, Would you give to players, not only who haven't won the main event, but who are still playing in the micros and uh, just starting to build a bankroll? What would you tell them?
1: I would tell them to, you know, move up slowly in stakes. Try to play. uh, If if your goal is to play live events or big, big, big tournaments, play satellites, play Mm. small sub satellites to get into the bigger satellites. At least that's, that worked well for me. Um, you know, I didn't buy in for the biggest, uh, for the last step to win the WSOP main event package back then I was buying in for $80 and then I won a $20 ticket and then I won a $700 ticket and I won a $2,000 ticket and then I won the main event, the main event seat. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's a good strategy. Because you're not risking that much, and
0: you're getting experience along the way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, well, very good. I like that. Um, just two more questions uh, until we wrap it up. Uh, this one is from El Soma seventy seven. Thank you very much for putting this one in. Uh, I like this one. This I like all of them. Uh, what is your most significant goal for 2021? Uh,
1: my most significant goal is to. Continue on this journey I started with the coaching project Mm. and keep growing that, keep growing the, uh, the project and get more students involved and be able to teach out more of, of what I know. And yeah, that's, that's my main goal for this year.
0: I like it. Well, it's good. Also, I will mention as well, like what you're saying, as far as coaching or exploring other avenues. You know, we know from uh, other players, ahem, <clears throat> fade or holes, you can retire and the game will always be there for you if you ever want to return. So that's important to know. Um, our final question is from Acid Burn FX. Love these names. Huh? Aren't they great, Mark? <laughs> so, um, you know, you've won uh, the biggest there is to win in poker. What dream of yours still remains unfulfilled?
1: Whoa. (laughs) I saved saved
0: the best one for last.
1: That's a a deep one. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It depends how you want to look at it. I mean, you could say that one dream of mine that never got fulfilled was to work at a Michelin star restaurant,
0: Hmm.
1: you know, that never got fulfilled. Is that still a dream of mine? Uh, Yeah. Yes and no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes, in the sense that it would be really cool. Like, I always. Uh, you know, I always dream back when I watch like chef's table, like for example, or one of these, like, um, uh, uh, cooking shows and, and you sort of like picture yourself there and you're thinking back about like how much you miss cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do I want to like get on that journey and like sort of hundred percent dedicate myself to, to that today? Uh, right. probably not. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, to be honest. Um. I don't really have any goals other than, like I said, growing this uh, coaching project, and that's sort of my sole focus, and so, uh, and then sort of like see
0: what it, see what happens, see what other opportunities arises. That's that's legitimate. And you know, definitely good to have something that you're focused on, especially in these crazy times. Um, I want to thank everyone who sent in questions for Martin Jacobson. And just a friendly reminder, once again, to our Cards Chat community, uh, we'd love to see you submit your questions for future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. And of course, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show, uh, Martin. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Before we let you go, uh, anything else uh, you'd like to tell uh, our audience or anything you'd like to to plug or promote?
1: <laughs> uh, no, just uh, check out my course uh, or me and the Ferrets course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, MartinJacobson.pro, and there will have we'll have a full. If you click on coaching, you'll have a full. Layout of the full class, what it entails, all the courses, what we'll we'll cover. It's basically a full, extensive course. Uh, so we go from A to Z, you know, covering everything from uh, opening re- uh, pre-flop races to final table strategies. Uh, it's super fun, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, hope to
0: see you there for sure. And of course, which butter to use uh in your coffee (laughs) that's that's the secret there you go well martin thank you again very much thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the cards chat podcast i'm robbie straczynski you can follow me at twitter at card player life i wish you all a wonderful day cards chat the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community